I just uh, I had a couple of words during the week for people. I was uh, on a one of those big tube, tubes. I was in the Philippines doing a wedding. Oh, I was in a wedding, and um, I was just praying about. Joy, well, Joyce messaged me and she said, Liam, your dream's becoming a reality. <laughs> and I was like, what are you talking about? Because Philippines was beautiful. And she said, Lilydale is flooding and you and Andrew are coming back in on, the, on the, like the same day. And for those that remember the dream, I was flying on a plane with, with Andrew. And, um, and, and so I really started to pray into that. And I was just praying for the church. I was praying for us. And... Um, and uh, Beck, come down the front. I heard the Lord say to to get you to pray over the church and just release the mother a mother's heart for this church. And I just felt that you're supposed to pray. And I put her on the spot. I haven't. She she wasn't warned, but I just just pray your heart out. Why don't you guys stand again? I know we're doing Christian calisthenics, but stand up and. Uh, Thank you for your presence, Holy Spirit. Oh, thank you, Jesus. We thank you that this is a place where your spirit dwells. This is a place where you are welcome, Holy Spirit. Oh, thank you, Father, for what you're doing in this, in this nation, in this church, in this region, Father. And we say more, Holy Spirit. We are open to you, Jesus. Yes. Father, would we be a people that are full of your courage, Lord? Thank you for your fire in this house. Thank you, Jesus, that we would walk in what you have for us, that we would be obedient, laid down lovers. Jesus, we're all in for you. We thank you, Father. Jesus, that we would lay aside all of our agendas, lay aside everything else that is not of you, and we would fix our eyes on you, Jesus. We want you, Holy Spirit. Jesus, Jesus, you're everything. Jesus, you're everything. I don't know if anyone else can feel this or it's just me, but he's here, church, he's here. He's here, and he wants a glorious bride. He's raising up his church. He's raising up his church to be all in. Nothing else, nothing else matters, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that we would be a church fully surrendered to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. All right, you can be seated and I won't get you to stand. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. What have we got? All right. I, um, I want to preach into the dream a little bit. So I want to preach into this dream and I'm going to just... You're just going to have to track with me, all right? <laughs> um, but I, the, the dream, the main thing that I got out of the dream was, was Andrew and I were on the plane and Lilladale was filled with water. Lilladale was engulfed with water and, and obviously that's happening right now and um, not in a, in a good way. But uh, I, I really feel like the Lord wants to do something with us as a house and there's, there's the 
the inhale of the gospel and there's an exhale of the gospel. If you just have the inhale, you're imbalanced. If you have, just have an exhale, you're imbalanced, right? And so we need the inhale of the gospel and we need the exhale of the gospel. And the inhale of the gospel to me is the presence of God. That's the presence of God. That's the water covering the, the, the you know, the glory of God would cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Wow. So it's a bit, it's a bit uh, intoxicating up here. Beck released a good word. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, and so... So there needs to be the inhale of the gospel and the presence of God, that we would host the presence of God really well. And that then there's the exhale of the gospel, which is the go of the gospel, which is that, you know, we need to actually give it away. And that's, for me, in the dream, Andrew represents evangelism. Not sure why, but he just does. Um, That's a joke. Uh, (laughs) Has anyone ever heard the, uh, you know, where Danny Silk does the thing on the fivefold? You guys heard that, and evangelists are like, we're having another meeting. Why? People are going to hell. Let's, we need to get out there. We don't need another meeting. <laughs> That's Andrew. <laughs> um, and so, uh, but I, I really, uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just mention the, 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 the whole inhale thing right now, but I really felt like the Lord was prompting me Romans 6 verse 11, it says, consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God. So think of yourself in that way. Um, Many Christians let their circumstances determine who they are versus the truth about who Christ is determine who you are. The the gospel isn't a self-help program to, to beautify a sinful person. The gospel is you die, you, you died with Christ and you're resurrected with Christ, a brand new life. God isn't putting makeup on a dead person. He, 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 the gospel is you're born again, born from above. And, and so often, Matthew 17 is, is, a, is this amazing passage where the disciples have seen miracles, they've seen dead raising, they've seen blind eyes healed, they've seen all this incredible stuff, and then they come across this epileptic boy, and they pray for him, and he doesn't get healed. <clears throat> Imagine if the disciples made a theology, and they stopped right there, and they said, oh well. Maybe it's God's timing, maybe it's his will, maybe it's his purpose, maybe he's caused this, whatever. And they stopped. But we have the rest of the story because Jesus prays and the boy gets healed. So was it the will of God for the boy to be healed? Not a trick question. (laughs) Yes. But what happens is, take healing, take our personal walk with Lord, Lord, take anything, what so often happens is something, something happens or something in our lives doesn't marry up to the person of Jesus and we make a theology and a doctrine and a belief system out of it and we say, oh well, it must be this. This, I'm just a sinner because I sinned yesterday. No, I can bark like a dog inside here. It doesn't make me a dog. It makes me ignorant. Uh, 
I can walk into a female toilet. It doesn't make me a woman. John, be quiet. We'll leave that there for now. My, 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 this reality doesn't determine the truth. It might be the little truth, but it doesn't determine the big truth about who Jesus says that I am. So the disciples, they prayed, they didn't see the miracle, and they, they were like, all right, but Jesus prayed, he saw the breakthrough. And then they said, why couldn't we cast this demon out? And he says, because of your unbelief, if you had faith, he said, in some translations it says, because of your faith, because of your littleness of faith. And then he says, but if you had faith the size of a mustard seed. And I remember reading this, I'm like, Jesus, you're contradicting yourself, man. Like, we, what, what's going on? Like you said, little faith and then little faith, like what is it, right? And, he, and the word unbelief there is the word in opposition to what God wants to do. And then the word, little, the word where he says, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, that is the word pasito, which means faith in what he can do, will do, or has accomplished, right? And it's not our faith, it's, his fa- it's the faith of Christ, right? And so, but the point I want to make is not so, I don't want to kind of go into the healing element this morning. I really want to paint the picture of we, we have to let the truth of the gospel of who Jesus says that we are be the cornerstone and the foundation of our expression towards him as our Lord and Savior. We cannot let the circumstances of, oh, well, this isn't happening, this isn't happening, this isn't happening. We have to stand on the promises of God and let them determine truth and come into alignment with that rather than the circumstances taking us away from the truth of who Jesus is. Does that make sense? Are you with me? If I, uh, if I said to um, someone from an Asian country, if I said, if I, if I you know, said, uh, you know, Indonesia or, or, or an Eastern, Eastern country, if I said, you know, uh, if I presented a food to them and said, oh, it tastes like this, you know, will, will you, you know, you'll probably like it. They'll, they'll say, I'll tell you if I like it or not when I taste it. Right? In, in the Western world, we were presented with a, a, a exotic food and we'll, we'll examine it and say, will I like it? What does it taste like? What's the texture like? What is it? You know, we want the facts of certain things before we'll enter into, into trying it. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. It doesn't say examine the facts and then wait and see if you'll like it or not. It's, it's taste. Oh, it says turn to the Lord and then the veil is removed. It's not the veil is removed and then you turn to the Lord. It's you recognize the presence of God and then you're like, oh, that's, I turn to the Lord and then I start to see clearly. I'll give you a practical example of what I'm trying to explain. <laughs> I had a five, I've heard, shared this story, I had a five-hour encounter with God on my living room floor. Before that five-hour encounter, I believed that I was a sinner saved by grace. 
That's what I believed. It's not in your Bible. After that encounter, I realized I was a saint. I was sanctified. I was set apart. I was holy, not of my own works, but because of who he is, because of what he's done. And as he is, so am I in this world, that the circumcision of my sinful nature had exactly had been circumcised. And that was a one-time process that took place when we're born again, right? And so I'm, the, the analogy that I like to use is now as Christians, Christians, we're not developing to become more like Christ. We're discovering who we've become and acting accordingly, right? And so I'm married to my wife. I'm not becoming more married. I can't become more married. That's impossible, right? And if I try to become more married, that's just called self-righteousness, right? So that now as I'm married to my wife, I'm learning how to have an awesome marriage with her through intimacy and through relationship. And that's the Christian life is now we're learning how to have an, an intimate relationship with the Lord. And so uh, after that five-hour encounter, I woke up from the, flo- from the floor and I was like, all right, God, this, this is the mirror of who I am. This is the mirror. And I need to see clearly who I've become and who you are so that I can actually outwork this thing called the gospel. So I can actually have the go of the gospel. And this is where the inhale of the gospel is so important. And it's why uh, Mary's word this morning, I believe, is the word of the Lord. Because the way to see this clearly is through intimacy with Jesus. That's the only way. There isn't a shortcut. You can't get a good relationship with God through me, through Dean, through Lise, through someone else. You have to have, they can be tools, they can be useful, but there has to be your own intimate relationship with the Lord. And so what I would do is I would, temptation would come, right? I was highly addicted to pornography. So temptation would come. So this was my area of weakness. So temptation would come. And I'd be like, God, I know you've called me pure. The temptation's coming right now. I'm feeling this desire to just want to look at pornography. But I know you've called me to have pure eyes. I know you've called me that you're not dealing, like you're not, this is the difference. So often as Christians, we're trying to say, God, I pray you'd get rid of lust. And he's like, I got rid of lust when you died on the cross with me. I'm not trying to fix lust. Lust died. I'm not putting a band-aid over lust. You have the spirit of self-control in you, Liam. This is how he started to talk to me. And I was like, oh, okay. So what I did was I fixed my eyes, not on the problem, but on him. So I'd fix my eyes on him. I'd go, all right, Jesus, I don't get it. I'm feeling all this stuff. This is coming against me and I'm, I'm weak. My, I'm just, my flesh is weak, right? It's not evil, it's weak. And so I'm like, God, show me, show me who I am. Show me who you are clearly. For, for five or six months, I was just in my Bible. I was like, I need to see clearly who you've made me, made me to be. I bought books on Romans, Galatians. I was reading through all these books. I'm reading through the Bible. And I'm like, God, show me, show me, show me, show me. And you know what? You submit to God, you resist the devil, and he flees. He doesn't come knocking on this door anymore because he knows. It's it's useless to come knocking there because I'm possessed by Jesus. Right? Come on. That's not arrogance. 
That's not arrogance. That's what he did in my life. Because Galatians 5 says, who the Son sets free. Oh no, that's not Galatians 5. That's Jesus. Galatians 5 says it's for freedom's sake that you've been set free. (laughs) Just seeing if you're awake. (laughs) Right, because what happens, we're so busy focusing on God. Fix me, fix me, fix me, fix me. He says, I've made you brand new, child. I've made you brand new. I've made you a son and a daughter. And what I want you to do is I want you to become intimate with me in such a way that you would not just know about me, but you would know me. That you would know my presence. You would know my ways. You would know who you are and you would know who I am. And you look in a mirror, beholding as in a mirror, you're being transformed from one degree of glory to another. And so that that became my prayer. That became just the thing. God, show me who I am. Show me who you are so that I can represent you clearly to the world around me. Over and over, I just pray that because what was happening is my experience was different. But the truth was in me and the truth needed to marry. My experience doesn't determine truth. Truth determines my experience. But I had, to, I had to be in this place of intimacy with God until that thing bend its knee to the name Jesus. But I wouldn't let that thing determine truth. I wouldn't let it. I was like, I'm not letting this thing going to rule and reign in my mortal body anymore, as, as Romans 6.12 says. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body anymore, obeying its, its desires. Do not let it. Uh, turn to Ephesians 3. I'll tell you why this is liberating. I'll tell you why this is so powerful. Because, one, it's the gospel. But two, when there's no skeletons in your closet, intimacy with God doesn't become a fix me prayer, it becomes a love encounter with the Lord. It doesn't become this I'm not I'm not I'm not against those prayers, but I'm I'm just I'm just saying there's a there's a there's a, a greater way to live. And and so he began to talk to me and he said, Liam, I'm not dealing with lust anymore. I'm dealing with the spirit of self control. I'm dealing with the transformed mind. I'm dealing with the purity of who you are. That's what's going to set you free. I want you to see how white I made you, how clean. I want you to see who you are through through my son. That's how I made you clean. And I want you to see that because I dealt with that on the cross. I'm not beautifying that and putting a band-aid over that. I'm dealing with this the new creation in Christ, because the old is gone, the new is come. So I'm dealing with the born-again person. I'm not dealing with the dead person. Do you understand? I remember Jalil and I were in a meeting with like 20 people, and uh, Graham Cook was there. Who knows Graham Cook? And, um, and this, leader, this leader asked, Graham was, was sharing on Romans 6, and, uh, and this leader said, oh, can you be practical about it? And he said, the gospel is very practical. 
Because so often we want the steps. We want the one, two, three steps. We want the religious activity. And God's like, I just want your heart. I just want you. I just want you. Ephesians 3, 14. This is my prayer that I pray over this church very often. You can borrow it. (laughs) For this reason, this is Paul talking, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. I don't know if you picked this up with Paul, but Paul never prays that they would get more of God. He always prays that they would be they that they would have a revelation of what Christ has already done. That's what he prays every time. He prays, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened to know the hope in which you've been called to. That's Ephesians 1.8. So every time he's praying this prayer, I pray that they would that have a revelation of this. So you pray, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in, in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. That Christ may dwell, that Christ may make his dwelling place in our hearts through faith because of love. If we have love, forget it. Do something else. If we don't have love, sorry. You know what I mean. I'm, I'm just gone this morning. <laughs> Edit that out, Kimbo. All right. May have strength to comprehend. That's a very funny verse, verse 18. You may have strength to comprehend. That word comprehend is the word to apprehend. It's to take hold of. You may have the strength to take a hold of with all the saints what is the breadth, length, and height, and depth. So Paul's painting the picture. The love of God is big. And he's praying, I pray you would grab a hold of it. You'd have the strength to grab a hold of that. And this is our verse, verse 19. And to know, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowing or knowledge. To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. We're going to read the last bit in a second. Here he prays, I pray that you would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowing. It's a strange, strange thought. These are the two words. That word there, know, I pray that you know, is the word gnosko. And the other word, knowledge, is just the word gnosis or gnosis. I'm probably pronouncing it terribly. But the, the one where he says, I pray that you would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That word knowledge is the word just mere facts, mere scientific facts, mere what is before us. The other word is a Jewish word that means to be so sexually intimate with your spouse. If I tell 
people who are married who haven't had who haven't had kids yet and they're like oh we're just waiting for the right time to have kids anyone that's got children is like there's never a right time <laughs> right <laughs> cuz they're like you can't be prepared for that <laughs> because you know practically through experience what it's like to have children Try to tell that to someone who's never had children and they're telling you, uh, Shen and I chuckle when, you know, young adults sit at our table for dinner and they tell us, well, this is what I'm going to do when I have kids and this is how we're going to raise our children and this is what we're going to do these plans and we're just sitting there going, ah, it's so cute. (laughs) God bless them, Lord. God bless them, right? You're all laughing because you know, you know. You know, practically, through experience. Try telling someone who's never had a a sexual relationship before in a a good way what it's like. You can't. You can tell them the facts, but you can't tell them what it's like. They have to know, they have to gnosko through experience. That's what Paul's praying here. He's saying, I don't want you to just know about God. I don't want you to just have a revelation of truth. I want you to know the author intimately for yourself. That's what he's saying. That's what he's praying. I want you to be rooted and grounded in love. And I want you to apprehend. I want you to grab a hold of the Spirit of God in such a way that it would lead you to an encounter of truth. It wouldn't just be mere theology that puffs up but it would be an encounter of the person of Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying. That's what he's praying. And then he says this, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Well, were you filled with the fullness of God when you were born again? Yes. Any area of your life that you're not seeing a victory in, ask yourself the question, what lie am I believing that's not allowing me to to see a victory in this area? Then he goes on. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. John 17, Jesus prays this prayer and he says, I pray that they would know you, God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. That same word is the word gnosko. I pray that you would know practically through experience Jesus Christ intimately for yourself so that you can be rooted and grounded in love and then be filled with the fullness of God. Why? He gives us the why. So that he is able to do far more abundantly than we ask or think according to the power that works within us To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. That's why he prays it. 
We don't come to God. Now, let me rephrase that because we... There, there is a healthy place to ask and seek and knock. But I'm telling you right now, church, the Lord, what he's doing right now is he's taking the church on a journey from taking them out of just being Christians to being sons and daughters who just love being intimate with their father. Because why would God make a bride that he's not compatible with. He's made, he's made a bride who he says, you're compatible with my bridegroom. And, and I really believe that we, he's inviting us into this posture of when we come on our, our corporate gatherings, but in our homes, everywhere that we go where we we're in this place of intimacy with God in such a way that we're so fixated and focused on Him that even when we ask or think something that He goes, I'm going to do far greater than that. Does that make sense? And I believe, I don't know how this fully works, but this, this is how what happened with, with me in, in that, that journey that I went on is things that I thought were problems just were gone. Because in the presence of God is the fullness of joy. And things just started to happen that I was like, I wasn't even praying for that. And it's not an issue anymore. Things started to happen where I was like, oh, I used to think, I used to think that way, but now I don't. Because, and I wasn't praying for it. I wasn't thinking about it. I wasn't asking for it. It just started to happen. Because he filled me with the fullness. Does that make sense? I used to live, I used to play sport. I used to live on the criticism of man. That's what I lived for. If I played a good game, I'd be like, tell me I played a good game because I need my ego puffed up, right? That's serious. That's what I, that's what I, you'd play a good game and you'd spend Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday replaying that game over and over in your head. I'd be like, oh, man, I stuffed up that pass. I should have, should have bent it a bit better. I would have gone in. I should have, oh. I'd be frustrated because, you know, my coach had said, oh, you weren't good enough. Or, you know, family had said, oh, you should have done better or whatever it was. I lived, I lived in that realm. So whenever I'd meet people, my main agenda was to get them to like me, right? And, and I'd do this chameleon thing. This is pre-Christ, right? And I was the most manipulative, controlling person that I've ever met, right? And uh, on the outside, people were like, oh, Liam's, Liam's, you know, this and that and da 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 But then if someone had a criticism or someone had a, hey, you need to do this, like that's not working out for you super well, I'd melt down or get angry at them or frustrated, whatever, right? I'd blow up. Anyone can relate to this? No, just me. Okay, cool. So, so... But then what started to happen with this is I'd started to not worry about that. I'm like, okay, God, you've killed that person on the cross. That person died when you died. I'm considering myself dead to that person and I'm considering myself alive to you. And so what I would do, I wouldn't come to God with these problems. I'd just come and be intimate with him. I'd just come and go, God, I just want to, I just want to know you, Lord. You're so thankful. I'm so thankful, Lord, for who you are. And this is how I'd begin to pray. 
I begin to worship God and say, God, you're incredible. You're amazing. And I adore you and I love you. And you're, you've made me. You've fearfully and wonderfully made me. And you know every hair on my head. And in your word, it says that you've got plans that I may prosper and be in good health. And your plans are for me. They're not against me. You said, I can do greater things, greater things. And this is how I begin to pray. And then someone would throw a criticism because when you preach, you never get criticism. <laughs> Someone would say, oh, I didn't like the way you said that or whatever, whatever it is or you should have done this differently. And if it was someone that I knew and I loved and they knew me and we had a relationship and they said, hey, Liam, you know what? That thing, I just feel like you could grow in that area. I was like, oh, awesome. Thanks so much. I need that because I know you love me. But if it was someone that I didn't know and they just loved to email or get on Facebook or whatever, I was like, praise God. God bless them, Lord. Bless them. Bless them with a brick. No, 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 don't. <laughs> I'm joking. That was a joke. <laughs> right? Why? Because I'm not living anymore by the criticisms of man. I'm living unto him. And, and I take advice from people. That's not what I'm saying. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Right? I'm not unapproachable. But I'm not living bound by the fear of man. I'm living bound by the fear of God. Amen? And when, you, when that shifts in your life, I'm going to pray for that in a second, but when that shifts in your life, you approach the throne room with confidence and boldness. You approach the bedroom of, of your relationship with God with joy in your heart. You approach it with, oh, this is who you've made me to be. This is who I am. And you start to apprehend the Spirit of God so that the fullness of God that is in you can be practically outworked because you practically know who you've become. Why don't you stand? We didn't get to the goal of the gospel, but that's all right. I'm just going to pray. I'm going to pray for a, a fresh baptism of love. I'm going to pray right now that we would be baptized afresh, that we'd be immersed in his love. I really believe that's what the Lord was showing me with, that, with the water covering Lilydale, that that was a, a picture of the presence of God engulfing this region because of the love of God and that we would be in the river, we would be in the water, that we would jump all in. We'd say, God, I'm all in. I don't want to just know about you. I don't want to just know you theologically. I want to know you intimately. And I know I'm preaching to the choir. I know I'm preaching to people who are, you're in. I, I, I can feel the hunger in this place. The hunger for God is is real. It's real. So I'm not I'm not I'm not I know I'm preaching to the to the converted here in that sense. But gosh, there's more. Gosh, there's more church.
And I feel as I was prepping for this message, as I was praying for this, what I was going to share, I really felt a similar feeling to what happened in my life over four or five months where I just begin to pray. And I was like, God, I want to see this thing, not just know about you, but I want to know you practically. I need not my experience determine truth, but I need the truth of who you are to determine my experience. I, I, I prayed through that until that thing manifested. And I really believe we as a church, we're praying into that. We're praying in, we're saying, God, we know there's more. We know there's miracles. We know there's salvations. We know there's healings. We know there's incredible work to be done in our city. We know there's great great, great acts of service that are going to happen in our city. We know there is these things and we're not seeing it just yet. We're not seeing the fullness of that just yet, but we can see it because without a vision, people perish. And faith is the conviction of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So what does faith do? Faith brings into reality that which it sees in the spiritual realm. That's what it does. Faith brings into reality that which it sees in the spiritual realm. So that's what we're praying for right now. So just put your, put your hands out in front of you if, if you want to. So Father, I just pray for a fresh baptism of love. I pray you would engulf this church. You would engulf every single person. Give us a new hunger for intimacy with you. Give us a hunger for your presence. Give us a hunger for the gospel. Give us a hunger to know you, God. Where there's been unbelief or doubt or worry, all these things, God, I pray that there would be a shift, there would be a shift and you would start to increase the spirit of self-control. You would start to increase purity. You would start to increase holiness. Thank you, Lord. God, I pray where people have worried that they would no longer worry, but they would meditate on you, Jesus. They wouldn't, we, they wouldn't be meditating on the wrong thing. They'd be meditating on you. I pray there'd be a shift in that in Jesus' name. And Holy Spirit, right now, would you just put just such a passion, a passion in our hearts to be intimate with you, God. There'd be a baptism of love. There'd be a baptism of love in this place. That we would not just know about you, Jesus, but we would know you practically, experientially. We would grow in intimacy with who you are. I pray right now we'd be filled to the fullness of God. I pray there would be an arising and a shining I pray that the saints of Lilydale, the saints of Ringwood, the saints of Moorabah, Croydon, the surrounding Yarra Valley areas, that the saints would arise, that there'd be a generation, there'd be a generation that believe who you say that you are. When the disciples asked Jesus, why couldn't we do it? He said, this kind only comes out through prayer. Some translations has prayer and fasting. Fasting isn't in the original translation, but just for teaching's sake, let's say it is in there. 
Jesus didn't pray or fast in that moment. He just commanded the Spirit of God to leave the boy. The Bible says that Jesus grew in favor and stature with God and man. Jesus was so intimate with his father that when a problem arose, he was able to bring the solution. He didn't need to fast or pray for a miracle in that moment. All he needed to do was speak the will of God. And I really believe that the Lord wants us to be so intimate with him, such a place with him, that out of intimacy, we will destroy the works of the enemy and we will get back what Jesus has paid for, to rightly, rightly give Jesus what is rightfully due. So touch us again, Lord. Touch us again. Thank you, Father. Whoa, thank you, Lord. May this be a bride that moves, not just in power, but in purity, that we live wholly before you, Lord that there be a healthy fear of God in this place. But may it, not, may it not remain in this building, Lord. May it leak out all throughout our region. May you call people into a place, Lord, of where they're meant to be. Lord, may you call people to the, to the ministry that they're called to do. And may they do it as a son or a daughter unto you. Whatever area of society that is, I pray that for every person in this room that they be filled with the fullness to do the good works that are set out before them. In Jesus' name, amen.